0: Oftentimes it's better to start with creativity to help you learn the facts.
1: Life is too short to learn a a list of a thousand rando words. From the
0: campus of Stanford University, this is Schools In with your hosts, Dan Schwartz and Denise
1: Pope. Welcome to Schools In. I'm Denise Pope, senior lecturer with the Graduate School of Education here at Stanford, and I am with my co-host, Dan Schwartz, who is Dean of the Graduate School of Education.
0: Dr. Denise College, 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 Pope.
1: College, college, college.
0: Yeah, because you worry about what uh, the vision of college over the horizon does to families.
1: I I do. And and,
0: uh, families who don't have a good vision of the horizon as well.
1: That is true. That is true. This is an exciting show about college. And uh, I'm going to kind of start us off with this idea from a class that I teach I teach a research methods class, and one of the things we talk about are some of the ethics around doing research. Oh, no. Yes, this, this is, is ethics. This is,
0: this is like the the class I did worst in in college.
1: This is. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, Dan. Okay, I'm sorry to give you. PTSD. I just want a right answer.
0: There's no right answer. No, no, no. Okay. All right, okay. let's just
1: just okay. hear me out. Okay. okay. All right. Pretend pretend you're a researcher.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's that feel like? <laughs> Can you do
1: that? Okay. Pretend you're a researcher. All right. You are running a study
0: no no I am complaining to the dean that I don't get enough course releases so I can do my research
1: okay (laughs) all that happened and you got the money and you're running the study and you're following a handful of kids um, from uh, an elite private school and, and watching how they apply to college and how they use their sort of knowledge of college to do college admissions. And you're following a handful of kids from an under-resourced school that doesn't have a college counselor um, and watching how they um, find information and apply to college. Okay? So it's about a few days before the deadline for the University of California so November 1st is a very important deadline in the state of California and you the researcher see one of the kids from the underserved school and you say how's it going how's it going And he says to you, oh, it's been a really busy week. And you say, well, how are the college applications going? And he said, you know, I'm really excited about applying to UCLA, um, but I'm so busy this week and I haven't really figured out how I'm going to pay for it. And um, I'll get to it in a few weeks when things calm down. Okay? Okay. You are the researcher, but you also have knowledge that November 1st is coming up and it's a really important date and and this kid's going to miss out on UCLA what do you do? Are you going to tell the kid about the deadline? Are you going to tell the kid and, and offer sort of you, yourself as a resource? Or are you going to let the research study continue knowing that he's going to miss the deadline?
0: Oh, I'd absolutely tell him. Okay. I, what, what's the ethical question? Okay,
1: so, so here's the thing. The, You're researching So, so of, I'll, I'll,
0: I'll exclude him from the study. Because he's, I've, I've intervened, so okay. I won't count him.
1: So are you not going to tell the other kids, too? What if they're in the same boat? You just happen to see that kid on that particular day.
0: Uh, I'm not sure my obligation to help someone on the street who has fallen means that I have to help all people across the nation who have fallen. Is that, is that analogy too far?
1: None of my students have ever said that analogy as this, they've talked this, about this research this, question. This is why I didn't
0: do so well <laughs> is, in ethics. I think, I think we're finding this out, Dan. <laughs> All uh, right, but you're... you're... I, I, could, I, I can imagine, I'd make the justification that even though these children would be sacrificed by me not telling them, uh, my research in turn would inform more. I would never do a study like this. I would, I would would My study would be to help those Figure out the best way to help those kids hit the deadline.
1: Well, but they didn't even we so don't even know me, how kids you're, do uh, it. You're
0: asking me a hypothetical question. Yes. Uh, isn't that like unallowed?
1: No, no, that's part. That's like the whole thing. That's ethics. the other reason I did badly. Yeah, okay. we're we're finding out that you're definitely not a qualitative researcher. Okay, this is good to what, know.
0: Wait wait wait, 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 wait! You're not <laughs> no. off the hook. Would you? Would you? Would, you, would <laughs> okay. you intervene?
1: So, so this is basically what I say to the students because they all tell us what they would do. Right? Is um, I would find a way like you to uh, help the kid. I would actually send out uh, a, an email or a message that lets all the kids know about the upcoming deadlines, the, the kids in the privileged school, the kids in the under-resourced school, so that I would be giving the same, um, call it intervention, to all of them and then see what happens. If If that kid still didn't do it, then that's uh, I at least so, so know that I've stepped you, you would I stepped in. I agree with you. Su- you would change
0: the study to try and help.
1: Yes, but I would do it for all the kids, so that it would be, so that it would be, a, a, it wouldn't. I could still go on with the study and say, how do they all deal with this common information?
0: So um, I haven't introduced Anthony, who yeah. is a
1: who's going to really help us no, out. Anthony here.
0: Antonio, who's a <laughs> professor at the Graduate School of Education, who studies equity issues in American higher education. Uh, but I do want to ask him. What's your answer? What What is your? I did
1: not mean to put you so on, the put spot, on the spot, Anthony. Right I'm away. so sorry. I didn't. That wasn't part of the plan. No, it... it was only to put Dan on the spot. <laughs> Just to let you know, you can you can decline to answer if you want.
2: I think I would intervene similarly to you, Denise, but not directly to students. Ooh. I would go to the counseling department and not name the student. Not talk about the specific issue, mm-hmm. but maybe talk about use it as an occasion to talk about you know how do you manage or how do you communicate deadlines et cetera et cetera. Is that being you know yeah. done in what kind of way? And depending on my relationship with them, if if I don't have much of a relationship with them, I wouldn't want to intervene too much. Um,
0: just I just help the kid.
2: I I mean, just,
1: I, it, we're it, trying to study the system and learn how to make the system better for everyone. So when you help the kid, it, it doesn't allow us to study really no, the ju- system. I ju- no,
0: I just, I just don't include him as part of the study. Uh, okay, okay, sorry. I, we can. Not, all not agree only was to I bad at ethics, I was stubborn about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: really. So uh, right.
0: Professor Antonio Anthony uh, studies higher education, and uh, he's been looking at how uh, schools like secondary schools can uh, help people get into college. And um, so, uh, how, how do you make uh, a high school so that the kids are heads up and aware about college? So like, uh, when I, I applied to college because I was supposed to. Uh, it never occurred to me, I only applied to the UC system uh, my parents were horrified by that, and they actually applied for me to another school. So I just—it I, was not—it was just not an issue. <laughs> that
1: is an unusual path, Dan that your parents were horrified that you I, wanted to go to the University of California and they instead wanted you to go to a small liberal arts college.
0: They, I think they were horrified that I was going to go to Berkeley. Oh,
1: uh,
0: not, go. not because they didn't. Too hippy-dippy. Yeah, too hippy-dippy. And and I guess I probably did have to write a personal statement. I don't remember. I, I don't think you, they like wrote the say, personal you statement.
1: you did. You did have to write a personal statement.
0: What did I say? Like, I, who who was the most... I sorry, have not sorry. read your personal statement. <laughs> sorry, Anthony, this was. is about you. Sorry, it got okay. about me. So the but, question but, is... But anyway, I, I was an in Environment where it just there wasn't a question the the college counselors role was to have an office that had catalogs. Basically.
1: You knew you were going to college because that was what everyone do. I did. never even thought about yeah. it. I mean yeah.
0: that's how much I knew it. Yeah. I never, yeah. But I know this isn't the case everywhere. So uh, there are schools that say we're college prep schools and they really do a lot. So what, what has been, what have you discovered out
2: there? So much of the work that I do we go into what we call high-need schools. So these are schools that typically have a majority of free and reduced lunch students. So these are low-income students, uh, high-minority schools. They're schools that are urban, sometimes suburban, and many rural schools as well. And these are schools where you don't have that sense, walking to the school, that what's on every student's mind is, I know I'm going to college. It's the default destination it's the next thing we're doing and these are schools that have college rates below 50%. Right so for these schools you know the one way that I like to think about this is if you walk into uh, there's a school that we studied in Los Angeles it's private girls school uh, college prep school if you walk into that school it is blatantly obvious how much that school is geared about getting their young women into college. You can see it in what's on the walls, in what the uh, students talk about in the lounge, in how the teachers interact and talk about their students. That's when we think about uh, the culture of the school that's geared towards college going. When you walk into these high-need schools, that's not what you see. And not surprisingly, the messages around college going are very diffuse haphazard and so the students in those schools in those environments coming from families where their parents didn't go to college and aren't going to lead the way it's a vast unknown right so that's I think step one right is making the making college an option that's realizable
1: This is Schools In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. We're talking with Anthony Antonio about creating a college-going culture at schools, particularly at schools that may not have a, a, a culture of the parents have gone to college and may not send a lot of kids to college. So... Um, one thing you said, I have a question about. You said it's obvious what's on the walls. This is a college-going culture. Do you mean there's like pendants that say Haverford and Williams and Berkeley, or what, what do you mean by what, Excuse what's me. on?
0: They say Stanford.
1: They say okay, it's Stanford. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to fit where you went, and I realized I didn't have any of those. Dan, <laughs> Swarthmore, Swarthmore—that's <laughs> where you went. I was like right next door. What is that? What did you mean by that? What's on the walls?
2: So that's that's a, a large part of it. Um, So you see college paraphernalia.
1: Hmm.
2: Uh, Depending on the school, you see particular kinds of college paraphernalia. So for example, there might be schools where you don't see an Ivy League pennant there, right? It raises certain kinds of expectations. But you also see uh, whole billboards or uh, bulletin boards about financial aid, about college information. You see signs on teachers' doors that list what, where they got their degree from. You see teachers that have pins that say, talk to me about my college. Mm, nice. You hear announcements that are daily about what's happening in the college advising office. Um, you have school-wide events around college preparation, um, school-sponsored trips. So it's in what you see and it's in what they do on a very regular basis. It's, not, it's routine, it's very normalized.
0: So here's the ethical question. You're doing a study of two types of schools. One type of school, uh, it's got go to college, the pre-SAT is coming up, prepare for it. We'll even give you scholarships to take these things. The other one has nothing. Uh, and there's this one school and it's getting, you're working there and it's close to November 1st. Do you change the school?
1: Well, I think that's what Anthony was getting at. He was going to go to the college counselor. I, I was just dealing with the kids. What I loved about Anthony's answer is he's going one step up and saying, this isn't going to just help the whatever, 10 kids in Denise's study. I'm going to go to the counselor. I'm going to go to the person who is in charge of talking to these kids and try to help them in a nice way reflect on maybe what else they could be doing because we got these kids who don't know about the deadline. Was that, was that a fair?
2: That was the direction I was going. I didn't want to assume that there was no capacity that there was no knowledge in a particular school. That's partly coming from the point of view of a researcher and partly coming from the point of view of understanding that the, you know, aspiring to and applying and going to college is a hugely knowledge-intensive endeavor. And I didn't want to assume what kinds of knowledge was there and what wasn't. You know, in, in, in some ways, that's part of my study is understanding that
1: is understanding what kind of knowledge is is there and what isn't at the school level, not just the student level. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, we are talking with Anthony Antonio. Uh, This is Schools In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. And we're hearing from Anthony about how to produce a college-going culture in schools. And I know that you've looked at both internal school-wide programs and external college access programs. Can you walk us through that a little bit?
2: Sure. So as you were saying before, there are lots of schools out there um, not just under-resourced schools that don't have a full-time college counselor. If you go to a private school, they often have one, two, or three full-time, eight hours a day, probably more, five days a week college counselors. Um, and in those schools that might have a college counselor, you have resident, a person that's an expert of sorts, right, again, in a very knowledge-intensive kind of process. But in many schools that don't have that expertise there, they essentially need to outsource in some kind of way. And that's where these external college programs come in. So there are federal programs that people probably have heard of, the TRIO programs, Upward Bound, Gear Up, those kinds of things. Schools have to apply for grants uh, to get those programs, and then someone comes in as part of that program. But there are a whole host of nonprofits out there. College going, aspiring to go to college um, is, is at such a high level, people understand that a college degree is the requisite degree to the middle class to be successful, that um, this void of college advising has been filled with all these nonprofits, some for-profits, for um, and schools take advantage of that. They partner with them and they bring them into the schools. And there's a great variety in all of those kinds of programs and what they do. But it's now, I think, a very important sector in terms of this sort of um, extension of educational services.
0: Not not to mention Varsity Blues, which is uh, another way that people can get access to college.
1: Well, now we have to explain that, Dan. So (laughs) in two seconds or less, you want me to do it or you want to do it?
0: Uh, People will buy the services of uh, individuals. Parents will buy the services of individuals to help their children get into college and to do some of the things you want schools to do. Sometimes those people may uh, be dishonest.
1: Break, Break the law.
0: Uh, break the law and try and use uh, extracurricular ways to get kids into college.
2: But but what that scandal really opened up, I think, for a lot of people was not that famous Hollywood people um, paid a lot of money and basically bribe money to get their kid in, in nefarious kinds of ways and faking things, but it opened up the whole discussion of the countless ways that um, – Wealthy people, wealthy families have advantages in the uh, college admissions system because they can buy lots of things that help you get into college.
1: This is Schools In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. We will have more with Anthony Antonio and college admissions and particularly how to get uh, college admissions knowledge happening in schools where kids don't necessarily have what Dan had, which is the, of course, I'm going to college. Attitude. We'll be back with Anthony Antonio next on Sirius XM. This is Schools
0: In. I'm not an expert at this. I'm more expert than you.
1: When you can't read in American society, you are really left out.
0: With Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. From the campus of Stanford University.
1: Welcome back to Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. We are talking today with Anthony Antonio about creating a college-going culture particularly for kids who may never even cross their mind about going to college?
0: So I, I assume some of this, making a college-going culture, is down from the top, that the principal has to really put this as a priority. So I'm a principal, and I've, I've I have decided I've got to fix this. Uh, all my teachers went to college, so they have some knowledge, but there's things they're missing to, about what it takes to get in. So how, how do I get started? Where do do I look?
2: Well, I think you do look straight to your teachers. Mm -hmm. One of the big differences that we see in some of the schools is the ways that teachers in particular, but also administrators, the ways that they see their role in the school. So to oversimplify it, teachers might see their role in the school as I teach. What happens in the classroom is my purview. That's my specialty, that's my expertise. If someone wants to talk about college or needs help with an application, I send them down the hall. And I think in the schools where the college-going culture is much more pervasive, teachers see their role beyond teaching. They see a role in college advising. I can talk to this student. I may not be the expert, but I have some knowledge. I also have partners down the hall. I have partners perhaps in the principal suite as well. So the first discussion is really about changing the role, changing their view of their role as a teacher, expanding it to include college advising, and saying that college advising doesn't mean you know all the X's and O's and ins and outs of applying to college, but you do know something about college-level work. You do know something about some of the requirements as they relate to the graduation requirements of your school. You're not a blank slate, and you can be part of the solution.
0: So I'm, I'm the principal... And perhaps I'm inspiring, and I can get the teachers to believe that. Perhaps I'm not so inspiring, and I actually want to go find a SWAT team or some external group to come in and help mm-hmm. me. Are there resources for that?
2: Well, there are thousands of external college programs out there. These are nonprofits uh, that are in the community. They're funded by foundations, by local foundations, and they are looking for partners. There's approximately 30 to 40 of these organizations in every state. Mm. Um, it's a lot. On average, some of those are federal programs, but the vast majority of these nonprofits. Um, so they're out there. Is, there.
0: is there like a website? Go to college now. Fi- fix your college going culture.
1: You are not dot- going to come up with the website name, Dan.
2: <laughs> there is the National Association of uh, College Admissions um, it's called
1: NACAC. It's called NACAC. Just so you know.
2: And they have a registry of these kinds of programs. Mm-hmm. So you can click on your state and actually find the programs that are in your state. Um,
1: but some these, some are better than others. Some, so this is what you study, right?
2: Yeah, some some are better than others. What they do varies quite a bit. Some are about academic enrichment because of course the academic piece is important. You need to have the grades to graduate to um, do the college-level work. You also need sort of the knowledge of the process. You know, how do I apply? How do I think about where to even think about going to college? You need financial aid literacy, right, which is another kind of component. You need to figure out how do how am I going to pay for this. And so these programs might do uh, a little of, of, of each of these things or focus on one of them. Um, you need mentorship, right? You need someone that's going to sort of help you along the way. And there are a number of different organizations. You need to understand what do they do. Um, but these organizations are looking for schools. This is how they make their bread and butter. right? They're all in growth mode because the demand for them is so high. Um, you need to think about, OK, what is needed in my school? What resources do I have? I have a part-time college counselor that's funded by the district. They're there two days a week. I would like someone there every day. Right. One of the uh, programs we work with is the College Advising Corps, and they put full-time, five-day-a-week, at college advisors in schools. Nice. Right. And so uh, they expressly try to impact an entire school which is, I think, the rub in all of this.
1: This is Schools In with Dan Schwartzen and Denise Pope. We are speaking with Anthony Antonio about the knowledge you need to apply to college. And I think if you start senior year, you're right. First of all, half of the kids, I don't know about half, but there's a chunk of kids who will not have taken the classes by senior year that you actually need to take to even apply to certain schools. Um, And so that's starting way too late. Is, uh, what's the year that you think we should start? Is it kindergarten? Is it ninth grade? Is it 10th grade? What, what would you say?
2: Well, I think I might default to the Trio program gear up, which starts in 7th grade. Okay. And I say that because there is this hysteria around, send your kid to the right preschool so that they're in the right mm-hmm. elementary so school, et cetera, to- So they just ramp up all of this pressure and you know, and they' the five of five learning, years old. The level of learning is gone you know by the time they're eight years old. Yeah, right. But it is one a knowledge intensive process and two, you know because of the way that we structure the curriculum to be academically eligible, just taking the right classes, you need to be prepared beginning in junior, junior high or middle school. So that's where I would start and that's what gear up does um, in doing that. You
1: you might have just caused some people to panic, so I just want, so I'm a middle school mom, we haven't talked about college in my house at all, oh my gosh, I've just ruined my kid's life, so it's not too late, Uh, you can fulfill, there's nothing in middle school that you have to fulfill for college, there's actually even nothing in ninth grade, so just to calm some parents Mm -hmm. down, you're talking about beginning to learn some of these things, but the actual courses that you take for college don't start for sure until high school.
0: No, algebra.
1: No, 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 that doesn't count. So but, but
0: if you don't take the algebra, on,
1: it's well, the pathway. let's get into that, yeah. Go ahead, Anthony.
2: Well, it is the pathway. And, and, and math is one of those courses that, you know, if you try to do that impossible thing of pinpoint, you know, one aspect of a curricular transcript that predicts success in college, it's math, right? It's what math level you, you reach. If you start talking about admission to the more selective colleges, It's that calculus barrier, right? And because math is built on a set of prerequisites that start with recommendations in the junior high, in the middle school, into high school, that part matters. Yeah, you don't need to know you know, what are the 3,000 colleges that look like so when you're in seventh grade?
0: So, Denise, you're wrong. It is time to panic. So let me tell you, <laughs> It's time to panic well, this now. Is what, so
1: this is something that I do with Challenge Success Schools that I, I think Anthony would appreciate is we talk about when kids get into high school, multiple pathways to get to calculus because there's so mm-hmm. many kids who come into high school who have not had that knowledge, for whatever reason, there's a lot of middle schools who who aren't doing what they should be be doing, too, that if you have multiple pathways to get there, then you're not uh, acing anybody out. Do you like that?
2: Yes, (laughs) and and I I agree. There are multiple pathways. Um, I think schools are doing a good job of thinking about what what kinds of courses can they offer in the summer that catch students up Mm -hmm. to be in a particular math track. Calculus is, is one of those courses that people point to. But when you look at admissions to the moderately selectives, they're not looking for calculus, right? Right,
1: exactly. And that's they're an looking, important point,
2: right? So it shouldn't be sort of viewed as this is my target, right?
1: Right, and I, so I think just to to wrap things up here. Um, it's not time to panic, but we do want people talking about, hey, there's, uh, uh, we live in a society where if you go to college, it's going to make life a lot better for you than if you don't go to college. And there's things you need to do early on that are going to help you and make it easier than if you decide when you're in 12th grade to go to college. However, by the way, don't panic panic because you haven't done anything to muck up your kids permanently. But gosh, it would help, according to uh, Anthony, to get those conversations started a little bit earlier than senior year.
2: And it's conversations not just with your kid, but with the school in particular, right? Right. Oftentimes the knowledge is there. So Dan, you referenced, oh, at the school, they just had a bunch of like knowledge pamphlets just laying out there. That's kind of the, it's called the clearinghouse approach to college Mm -hmm. advising. You just, it's knowledge intensive, you lay it out there and students have to access it. So a lot of times schools have, this information and knowledge, but parents don't know it's there. They need to ask for it.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Anthony. And thank all of you for listening to Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. If you missed any of this episode, you can listen anytime on demand with the XM app on iTunes and SoundCloud.
0: From the campus of Stanford University, this has been Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope on SiriusXM Business Radio. If you missed any of it, listen on demand online or with the SiriusXM app.